Hello and welcome to Nikon Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Nikon news and all other announcements that we found interesting. Uh, it's Constant here and here is Becky. Whoop, whoop. Okay, so last week we've recorded podcasts on Thursday. Again. And it's Monday. Take two. Yeah, so hopefully, if you don't need to record it for the second time, there's going to be plenty of things to discuss since there were no news, but we made it interesting. We've, we've found some things to talk about. So first up, we have Nikon's firmware update, which is now available. I know a few of you have already done it because you've emailed me to tell me that you've done your firmware update. Well done to you. For those of you who haven't yet updated your Z5, Z50, Z6, Z7, Z62, Z72. Did I get them all? Yes. Seven, six cameras. And you can pretty much count them on the fingers of one hand. Almost. Six cameras. So how many fingers do you have? So if you haven't already done so, head over to the Nikon website for your region. In our case, it's nikon.co.uk. Go to the support and download section where you will find the firmware update. In terms of what they've improved, we have live view focus point display response during face slash eye detection mm -hmm. and subject tracking AF for the 6.2 and 7.2. Fantastic, that's a good improvement. We do like autofocus improvements. Mm -hmm. They also improved the performance of face eye detection, AF and subject visibility with Fantastic. optional flash units. Richie published a video discussing all the firmware updates. Uh, so I do recommend you to have a look at his video. He is great. Hey, uh, one of the important things in terms of support of the flash guns and Richie mentions in his video, he says that not only Nikon flash guns are supported, but also third party flash guns with ITTL functionality. That is very cool. I think a lot of uh, event photographers and radio photographers mm. uh, will say thank you yes, to Nikon for this. They will indeed. You've also got improved low-light AF performance, uh, sorry, detection. Uh, and they've also fixed an issue where if you had AFC priority selection mm -hmm. selected, which is custom setting A1, you'd sometimes get a slow shutter response, which is a bit odd. So it's a small little bug. They also improved focus accuracy as it was sometimes unreliable. And there's some picture control functions in there as well. Absolutely. And then... Obviously, it's not a big firmware update. Mm. Um, it's not a, like a full point. It's only, yeah, one point something. Um, but it's nice to see Nikon improving things all the time. So we've seen the big major AF improvements about two, three months ago. Yes. So we now see um, this firmware. And also we know that, let's say, voice memo, mm. which was introduced in Z6 Mark One will come to the 6 Mark II. That's right. But it's interesting how specifically for the Z6, I wonder if they'll bring the voice memo function to the Z7 and also in the future the Z7 II because they haven't mentioned that yet. Absolutely. Again, in Rich's video, um, Rich mentions that uh, the voice memo doesn't function the same way as on D6 because on D6, you can actually set voice memo to be automatic after every shot taken. Ah. So you don't need to press any buttons. You just talk to your camera mm -hmm. and then it records it. So with this one, you have to activate it and you have to set it up to a function setting. Okay. But it's nice to have because, again, if you are a news reporter uh, and let's say you photograph this person that no one knows but you, then you say, well, this is the person and you send it off to the agency. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a very handy feature for a working photographer, I will say. 
on Z6 and Z7 improvements. And again, it's really nice that Nikon is supporting the Audi cameras as well. We have a save focus position option has been added to setup menu. Now, I thought that save focus is actually saving focus in point location mm -hmm. on the screen. This is actually not the truth. Okay. The truth is this is actually um, saves the distance where you're focusing at. So let's say you're a macro photographer. Okay. And you don't want to refocus your camera all the time. Maybe it's on a tripod and it sits in the studio and it doesn't move. Mm. All you do is just moving the subject towards it. True. So you can save it and let's say if you use the camera somewhere else, put it back on a tripod, press the, you know, let's say function button you assigned it to and it goes back to the same focusing distance. Excellent. Again, sports and wildlife photographers, imagine if I write in Formula One and you focused on the track. Mm -hmm. So you save that position and then you can photograph the crowd when you see them. Wow. Bam. Once the cars are passing by, you go back to the same distance. So similar to the uh, buttons that we normally have on the long telephoto lenses, you know those side buttons? The sort of AF recall buttons. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Excellent. Now they've also uh, fixed an issue that would sometimes cause the camera to stop responding when time-lapse movie recording was interrupted and you'd have to turn the camera on and turn it back on, sorry, off, yeah. on, on I don't off. like my time-lapse as being interrupted. <laughs> no. Uh, so, those are basic improvements for the Z6 and Z7. But as you say, it's nice that Nikon are adding to that, particularly because even now you can pick up some excellent secondhand examples of the 6 and 7. And to know that those cameras are still being very much supported by Nikon and improved constantly is an excellent sign. Absolutely. Very and good. I agree that this is Z6 currently is fantastic secondhand purchase. Yes. It can be had under £1,000. It's almost as good as generation two cameras and especially for video production like us, you can use them really well. The video quality is really good. It is. Next up, we have the Z5 firmware improvements. So we've got that save focus position option, which is basically AF recall, as we've discussed, and the improved low light AF detection uh, times for custom setting A11 has been improved. And that's really good because low light air functionality only works with the AFS single mode. Mm -hmm. So, but it helps the camera to focus in low light. And a lot of mirrorless cameras they do struggle in low light um, in, and low co uh, contrast conditions. So that should really help. Keep in mind it's AFS only, so autofocus continuous is not supported as of yet. Yes. Z50 improvements, we have again our AF recall functionality, the save focus position option has been added to the Z setup menu, just like the other cameras. And they fixed a very peculiar issue that resulted in the option selected for custom setting A2, so auto AR, sorry, auto area AF face eye detection in PSA and M modes, so anything except for the auto, being reset whenever custom settings for mode U1 or U2 were reset. What does that mean? <laughs> okay, so uh, do check out Rishi's video uh, about the firmware updates. Very useful highlights of what you can get there. How Does he explain how to do the firmware? Yes, update? and there's a really good video there as well, a music video. I just want to gify it, gify it. Gify it. Gify it because I'll share it with you. Okay. Do check it out. It's right at the end of the video. It's the movement things. Eye tracking. Eye tracking. Look at those moves. Look at those, he's smooth. I love the hip hop track as well. I'm into that. Oh. Richie. Woo. It's a great touch. Should we do our own eye tracking? I think so, I think so. But also it's interesting to see how much faster He's moving at a different speed. Yeah, but look, but look what's the difference between one firmware version and another one. 
Wow, and so quick to switch back from face to landscape. That's oh, and then there's a slow-mo. Exactly, and that's why I'm subscribed to Rich's video. For this it. type of content. I love it. And reminder, the 10% of selected Nikon lenses in Europe runs out this Wednesday. 28th of April is the cutoff date for getting your orders in. So if you would like any of those F-mount lenses, head over to our website now. Next up, the upcoming Nikon Z9 sensor. Nikon Z9? What's that? The camera that we're hoping will arrive around the Olympics time. That's only everybody's talking about. That's right. There is a possible speculation that the sensor will be made by Tower Semiconductor, formerly known as Tower Jazz. Tower Jazz. And not by Sony. Tower Jazz. Jazz hands. Uh, so there was a quite a lengthy discussion, actually two of them, on DP Review. They have forums. Yes. And actually users of Nikon camera discuss their things in there. Mm. So two lengthy discussion on why uh, Tower Semiconductor can be potentially manufactured by Tower Semiconductor. Okay. I just said Tower Semiconductor. You did. <laughs> why, why would Tower Semiconductor yeah. manufacture Tower, tower, <laughs> yeah. For some of you who listened to us back in the day, we actually discussed this topic in uh, Nikon Report number 14. So now we just come back to that. So here are the main points of discussion and thanks to Nikon Rumors to kind of aggregating the main points of this. Mm. So first of all, there is a potential rumor that actually sensor for Z50 and D7500 could already um, have sensors that manufactured by Tower Semiconductor. Okay. That's news to me. That is news to me as well, but that's very interesting. They've also said that Nikon and Tower Semiconductor signed a $150 million equipment supply agreement in February 2021. $150 million. Yeah, $101 billion. But yes. now, why did we not get this news? When did Where did this news come from? No one actually published that, and that's actually very interesting. Mm -hmm. Why we didn't know this? That's a good question. It wasn't announced by anyone. Exactly. But then also, Nikon announced the development of that one-inch sensor, which was really good in low light. It had really good dynamic range. Yeah. And while they mentioned that it's not going to be, let's say, manufactured for um, consumer cameras, at the same time, Tower Semiconductor is potentially built manufacturing. Okay. That's an interesting one. Now, back in the day, Tower Semiconductor and their senior VP and general manager, his name is Dr. Avi Strum, said in one of the interviews that they think that Sony, while manufacturing the sensor and also having a camera division, mm. is a big threat in monopolizing the camera production. I can understand that. And that's the thing. And it's elephant in the room that everyone's addressing. And while we have to say that a Sony sensor manufacturing company is different from Sony camera manufacturing cameras. So they're different branches that of course talk to each other, but it's not the same company. Mm. That's number one. And we also have to mention that Nikon sensors, they are manufactured by Sony with specific um, product specifications. Yes, it's, so, it's uh, designed by Nikon, produced by Sony. Exactly. So while we can get the sensor over the shelf, let's say 46 megapixel sensor, mm. is not exactly just that. So no. there's lots of things like dynamic range, noise reproduction, color science comes into that place. Mm. And that's why, let's say, Sony cameras and Nikon cameras, while having the same sensor and the same resolution, don't produce the same image quality. Yes. So that's important to know. But of course, it is important to understand that, yes, of course, if one company with the same name manufactures cameras and sensors, uh, there is a potential, what do you call it, the conflict of conflict interest? Conflict of interest. 
I agree. Good so. legal term there. Exactly. Tom Hogan also published an article on this topic, which we discussed in the Nikon Report number 14. And this is the only mention of Tom Hogan that we'll have this week. Oh. We're going on diet. <laughs> on a Tom Hogan diet. Exactly. So here's a quote from the original DP Review Forum post for you. They say, because of these recent contemporaneous developments, it seems reasonable to conclude that the Z9 will not be an also-ran mirrorless camera, but a better-than new level offering. It appears Nikon is making a paradigm shift for its future, developing its own sensors completely, utilizing its own innovations rather than personalizing existing Sony sensor design offerings. While all of this is speculation at this point, admittedly, the evidence does seem to be funneling in this direction. Therefore, the Z9 will quite possibly be another benchmark for Nikon in a whole new way. If facts ultimately pan out as speculated, then the advent of the Z9 should be exciting for those utilizing other brands as well. To the moon, I would say. But I think it's important. I think it's a really interesting speculation. It would be interesting to see Nikon branching out from purchasing um, sensors from Sony. Mm -hmm. Another discussion that um, is on GP Review at the moment is actually discussing this Canon announcement of their R3 camera. Mm. And there's an interesting thing because in some press releases, they put that it's designed and manufactured by Canon. And then Canon UK removed design and manufactured by Canon from their press release. So they're also not sure if it's actually Canon who is manufacturing their own sensors. But here's the drama and here's internet. Here we are. This is the world in which we live. Absolutely. Well, um, hopefully we'll find out soon. Yes. Another reminder for this week that Nikon Small World Contest deadline is on 30th of April. Yep. So the photo micrography competition is open to anyone with an interest in microscopy and photography through the microscope. The video competition entitled Small World in Motion encompasses any movie or digital time-lapse photography taken through the microscope. Photo micrography is the word of the week. <laughs> did I pronounce it correctly? No, you did really well. I was shocked. Amazing. Because I read several times. <laughs> I couldn't understand. It's like macro photography. <laughs> if you are interested in viewing the galleries of previous winners, then head over to the links that we'll include in the description box and the podcast notes. And if you're thinking of entering, you've just got a couple of days left to do it. So get your skates on. Get your camera out. Take some pictures. Through the microscope. Absolutely. Another discovery of the week is that Nikon makes eyewear and it's glorious. It is glorious. I would like a sample of this, please, for my spectacles wearing self. Before I used to wear Ray-Bans. <laughs> now it's only Nikon. Yeah. Well, not only making glasses for people with prescriptions, they also make glasses for people who just wear glasses for fun. <laughs> you mean sunglasses? Sunglasses. Uh, do they... Ooh... Your vision, proper, your lifestyle, technology, eyewear, <laughs> lightweight and comfortable frames, optimizing yeah. the benefits of our optical and sun lenses. Shut up and take my money. Yeah, please. Honestly, there are quite a few viewers that I know have Nikon glass in their specs, but this is Nikon branded frames and all, uh, Nick, pure Nikon eyewear, so lenswear, as they call it. Exactly. And if you would like to order a Nikon glasses made with Nikon glass and frames, you can actually put your postcode in in UK and it will tell you which opticians use Nikon for uh, such purposes. Excellent. I'll be doing that right after the podcast. Speaking of precision instruments, 
Nikon Microscope and Healthcare website will be hosting a webinar, live imaging of host pathogen interactions with AI on 4th of May. Wow. Pathogenic bacteria are armed with many mechanisms to colonize and invade human cells. Live fluorescent microscopy is a great tool for studies of these interactions, but comes with several limitations. Professor Nordenfeld will describe the work in his group where they are using AI-based Clarify.ai module, yes, whatever that is, to enhance the analysis of host cells, cytoskeletal dysregulation during host pathogen interactions. I hear AI, I upvote. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> so what does this mean? Lots of things to say, but obviously Nikon doesn't just make cameras. They also make microscopes. They do. They also work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So this webinar, while it's free for everyone and whoever's interested, do register there. Um, it's also worked with professionals in healthcare. Exactly. If you're a scientist or a pathogenic specialist or anything like that, then that might be of interest to you. Absolutely. I personally interested in AI. So yeah. it would be interesting for me just to see how you can use an AI technology mm -hmm. yeah. in their development. Exactly. Right. In another fun article. Why are you doing this to me? Nikon releases a new optical processing machine, the LaserMeister. Laser! Capable of additive manufacturing with titanium alloy, the LaserMeister series are Nikon's original metal processing machines using high precision lasers to perform various metal processing, providing additive manufacturing capabilities like a 3D printer, exactly. while also enabling laser marking and welding. I like how you smart. Like a 3D printer. I know what that I is. I know that one. The <laughs> <laughs> Laser Meister 102A is a high-end model and allows the five-axis control mechanism used in Laser Meister 101A with improved functions while maintaining a compact product size. So titanium alloy has been added to available powder types and offers approximately twice the modeling speed. Okay, let me break it down for you. So this is effectively a 3D printer mm -hmm. that is using metal. Yes, I gathered that right. from, from so, the explanation. Three important features to that. So addition of titanium alloy powder. Okay. So titanium alloy is lighter than steel, has better corrosion resistance than stainless steel and aluminum. Aluminum? We are not American. Aluminium. We add an I, so we say aluminium. That's the one, and retains its strength even at high temperatures. So supported metals are stainless steel, specified by Nikon, is called SUS, high-speed steel, NI-based alloy, and newly added titanium alloy. Wow. So not just plastic, they can print with metal nowadays. The second feature significantly improved productivity and quality. So it's better, it's printed at higher resolution, and it's also faster, which is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And now the most important feature, well, not actually not the most, we will get back to that, but the third one is reusable powder. Mm -hmm. So effectively the powder that's leftover powder that mm -hmm. stays over once it's printed, they can reuse it and again, use it for printing. Excellent, which is fantastic for the environment. Exactly, and the most important feature, it comes in white and black finish. Ooh. Now, only two weeks ago, we talked about Nikon acquiring a majority ownership of more 3D. And look at them now, releasing the products. That's amazing. But I think this laser meister is definitely can be used in that in manufacturing parts that will go to space at some point. Potentially. Can you see that? Nikon is a growth company, not just a camera company. That's right. Okay, next up we have Nikon is continuing their restructuring process and rumor has it, or in this case Nikon rumors, that they are discontinuing their pension plan in the USA. 
This is unconfirmed data, so let's not start picketing right now. Okay, but since we are British and we don't know how pension plans work in the United States, from what I gathered from the comments mm. on the Nikon rumors, it says there's not much to add on it. Um, so basically, a lot of people say that those pension plans were scrapped in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. So there are not many companies that actually offer that. So, and 401k, which is their tax um, kind of shelter option mm -hmm. for regular people like us, is a better option. Uh, now, we're not going to get into this discussion because we simply don't know how the tax in the United States work. But here's the quote from user Gary ABQ from Nick and Room's website. A pension plan is also known as a defined benefit plan. This is an employer finance savings plan that typically at your retirement, the money will be used to purchase an annuity. The annuity will pay the retired employee a specific amount of money annually divided into monthly payments. Hence, defined benefit does basically work like a pension, exactly. let's put it that way. For instance, I worked at the Prudential Insurance Company for 15 years. The pension money I earned and that was credited to my pension account was used to purchase an annuity which pays me a modest monthly sum until I die. Defined benefit plans went out of favor in the US in the mid-1980s, not so much because companies decided en masse to become cheap. The driving factor then was a change in accounting standards whereby the future benefits of the plans, including retiree health if the company paid for that as well, had to be accounted for against current corporate earnings. Yes, I can understand why that would be complicated. Mm -hmm. That drag on earnings was viewed as undesirable, lowering, i.e. lowering CEO and executive pay that's based on earnings. This is when so-called 401k plans grew in popularity. Companies make a modest contribution to an employee's self-funded retirement savings, which is what we do in the UK. Yeah. This and contributions to social security in the US are in theory supposed to provide two thirds of a retiree's income. So essentially what they've done is they've done exactly what we did eons ago yes but they've made it official now exactly. because understandably you if you've got particularly with nikon employees who potentially maybe they retire i don't know what the retiring age is in the u.s mm -hmm. but let's say they retire when they're 60 well you got a lot of years left for That's you true. if you retire at 60 so um potentially paying for healthcare and things like that in those future years would become impractical yeah now the difference in uk of course the um medical support is free nhs yes. thank you nhs thank you, um NHS. so but we also have now obligatory pension plan that people can opt out from mm. but it's obligatory for the company to offer the pension plan so yes. you can effectively um put let's say three five percent of your salary towards this which is going to be tax-free and then the company can match it to a certain degree as well yeah and then we have our isa which is up to twenty thousand a year which is basically free investments mm -hmm. which whatever profits you're going to make on that is tax-free effectively, but you're taking it out of your salary. Therefore, it is already being taxed at the point when you receive the money. Exactly. This I'm is not financial advice. Definitely <laughs> not. And I'm sure um, US uh, listeners will correct us for this, but um, I'd rather go into financial news than someone's taxes. Yes. In response to the backlash, yeah, yeah. Nikon have released a new Nikon strap to cheer everybody up. It's for sale at the Nikon Museum in Japan. And isn't it lovely? Ooh, so cute. It's very cute. It says for true Nikon lovers. You can't buy it if you're not a true Nikon lover. Exactly. And you need to order it from Japan. And you probably need to pay a tax on this. But it looks lovely. It does. All right. And now let's talk about Nikon finances. Woo! Okay. In preparation for Nikon Q4 financial statements, mm -hmm. we saw two Nikon notices this week. One is a quick one. So it's a notice regarding recording a deferred 
tax assets in non-consolidated financial statements. Easy, right? What does it mean? For the fiscal financial year ending on March 31st, 2021, Nikon Corp expect to record deferred tax assets in its non-consolidated financial statements, which are prepared in accordance with Japanese GAAP. So GAAP translates to generally accepted accounting practices. Oh, it's not the gap, as in the place where you go buy your jeans. No, it's a, there's additional A, mm -hmm. and it basically means laws. Um, so uh, let's talk about this. What is deferred tax asset? Okay, well, I'm going to read um, a definition from Investopedia, which is a big financial website. Okay. So what it means, items on a company's balance sheet that may be used to reduce taxable income in the future are called deferred tax assets. The situation can happen when the business overpaid taxes and paid taxes in advance on its balance sheet. Okay? So imagine you overpaid your tax back in 2020. Mm. You realize it in 2021. So you say, okay, I overpaid last time. So actually, I'm going to get some money back from the tax office. Nice. HMRC. Mm. Yeah. So effectively, what they say is this deferred taxes effectively becomes an income. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I ordered stuff from Amazon and I spent 30 pounds and then. I returned this stuff because I didn't like it, and I get my 30 pounds back. So it's, this 30 pounds is effectively an income. Oh, my goodness. That's a bad analogy. But <laughs> what I'm going to say I kind is, of understood it, though. But that's the way it works. So if you, let's say, effectively overpay the taxes in previous years, and then you get it back, so you do record it effectively as an income. Now, the deferred tax asset mentioned above will no impact on companies' consolidated financial results as they've been already accounted for. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So that's the note. So it's just kind of a little warm-up before the Q4 results, you see? So just to keep you entertained, you I'm see? I am actually scared of these Q4 results. <laughs> I won't be in next week. I'll turn you up to the chair. <laughs> Stay. Run. Microphone right in front of me. As long as I've got like an IV drip of coffee, I should be fine. I think you're going to have like a three-liter bottle of mm. coffee mm. and... I'm already, yeah. I'm already like edging away because I can just see what's coming next, and I'm like, can you think I can order a coffee from my, from the producer? Run while you can. You know that song, run. <laughs> yeah. And while Becky is waiting for her coffee to arrive, let's talk about second notice that Nikon published on their financial website, nikonfinance.co.uk. Now it's a press release for finances uh, where they have to do it by law. So notice, the second notice is notice regarding the recognition of one-time costs and the important thing, revision of the consolidated financial forecast for the fiscal year ending March 31st. Well, it's ended already. Yeah, the, I thought we were over this. I thought end of year, we don't have to talk about finances anymore. It's a whole new year. But they need to keep us entertained, so they keep publishing those things. Okay. And you see, okay, well, let's uh, break it down to small points. I'm going to read the first couple of sentences first, and then we're going to go step by step, dissect it. Are we? Yes. Okay. So, this is to announce the impairment losses for non-current assets and disposal and write-down of inventory are to be recognized in that quarter. Okay? So, what that means, recognition of impairment losses of non-current assets. Yeah? What they say, based on utilization status and various impacts on business activities, including spread of COVID-19, impairment losses are approximately 7.2 billion yen, mainly in precision equipment business and healthcare business. And those will be added to the, the Q4 report. Okay. Okay. So effectively, this is a loss. Sure. Yeah. What they say, we made a loss in our precision equipment business, so microscopes and all that, mm. and our healthcare business. And we're going to edit a report. So expect this in a spreadsheet. 
Okay. Okay. So number two, recognition of disposal and write down of inventory. As a result of scrutinizing the fair value of the inventories held by the group, disposal and write down of approximately 8 billion yen for the inventories that are not expected to secure profits in the future, mainly imaging products, so cameras and lenses, mm -hmm. will be added to this report. Okay? So here's my take on this. Okay, good. Yeah? Some equipment, yeah, that's been made, some stock that's been already produced. Yes. Yeah, not stocks and shares, but stock of cameras and lenses. Physical items. Exactly. Manufacturing tools and hardware that's used for manufacturing. It's lost its value. It's almost like you bought the 850 and you came out of the shop and you lost VAT. Yeah, but generally, maybe after two, three years, you can't get, if you sell your camera, the same amount of money that you paid for it. This is accurate. So effectively, this loss, if you combine all this, mm. all those things that they mentioned, is worth 8 billion yen. Wow. Okay. So that's as simple as that. Yeah. So they will add it to the report as well. And now the, the most important thing is actually they revise their forecast. Okay. Not the weather forecast, but their financial forecast, what they're going to achieve by the end of the quarter. Well, they're counting now. So they're going to release it soon. So it's all been done already. So is it made, have they made it better or worse? They actually made it better. Oh, all right. So they're expecting more monies. Exactly. So in previous poor, uh, forecasts, they expected 450,000 million yen in profit. Now it's 451 by 1 million yen. Is it, well, no, isn't it billion? It's 1,000 million of yen. Okay. Okay. Cool. Operating profit, while they expected that to go down to 65,000 in a loss, yeah, mm. so it's minus 65,000 million of yen, yeah, to 57. Mm -hmm. So they lost less, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then profit before income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those are the two most important things, okay? So, so in a nutshell, they think they're going to make more money next year. Well, in a nutshell, they're going to they, lose less money next well, year. In a nutshell, they say that actually what they projected for this quarter is actually slightly better. Okay. So normally it's a good sign because if you project this amount and then you actually uh, declare that you lost more, mm. then your stock market is basically well, your stock is going to go down effectively. Yeah. So so actually they're quite you know, accurate in their projection, they're saying it's actually a little bit better than what we estimate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's our take on this um, from just looking through the paperwork. And I do like that. That's basically my weekend because why to spend time with your family? <laughs> when you can look at Nikon Financial exactly. Reports. I buried myself in spreadsheets, but according to many internet and software analysts, this has been done on purpose. So we are expecting pretty much Q4 release being the worst right. earnings of the whole year. Okay? Because because they want next year to look amazing. Very well. Or next quarter. Absolutely. So you see? I learn something sometimes. Exactly. And I'm really happy for you. Okay, good. So the telltale signs are already here. So sales after COVID should improve and have a look at SIPA numbers for January and February. Yeah. So yes. that's already the, there's a little uptick in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we expect the March numbers to be a lot better. And the reason for that being that last March was where a lot of countries went to lockdown. Yes. And it was quite uncertain what was going to happen. So, like, we, we didn't even know what we were going to do. No, it's very true. It was a, a great time of uncertainty for everyone, I would say. Exactly. And nowadays, with a lot of countries coming out of lockdown, and hopefully, you know, with vaccines and everything, we will improve on that. Mm -hmm. So we definitely should see an improvement in sales of equipment. So that's number one. So obviously, supply chain should improve as well. So at the moment, we see a lot of delays. Uh, semiconductor shortage. Yeah. 
So all this hopefully will improve as well. Yeah, and it is getting better. Like we have noticed a marked difference in recent weeks as well. Absolutely. And then number three is new product announcements. They, I think they're in, imminent. I will repeat like a mantra, Tokyo Olympics in July. Tokyo Olympics in July. It's like your mantra to the moon. Exactly. Also Tokyo Olympics in July. Stonks only go up. <laughs> Well, Canon already made some announcements. So they announced the camera and Nikon did it as well. But they also, Canon announced their 400, 600 mil and 100 micro lens. Yes. I personally think that Nikon will respond with some announcements in, in this field, but also Z30, I think, should be announced soon. Excellent. Photons to Photos website published updated Nikon Z7 II sensor measurements based on the latest DxO Mark test results, which we talked about last week, we didn't did, we? We did, yes. Yeah, so it's all fine and dandy, but what fascinates you, apparently, according to this, is uh, how good the D850 sensor, which is about four years old, compares to the latest cameras. Yes, and then here's my question to you <laughs> Do you want to do that? Because um, I didn't no, realize. No, it's really good. I can, you know, I can actually, you know, I can open my mouth and then you'll pronounce you'll <laughs> And then say my it, words yeah, exactly. will come out. <laughs> Okay. No, no, it's fine. It's good. Okay. So my question for you, Becky, mm. how long do you think you're like, how long do you expect the camera that you buy will last you? So we're looking at D850 being good for, you know, four years mm -hmm. and competing with the latest and greatest. What would you expect the normal digital camera to last nowadays? To be honest, I think that cameras produced from the more recent generation of sensor from 2014 thereabouts onwards are still both still being produced in a lot of scenarios like the D750. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think due to Nikon still having parts and reliability, generally speaking about 10 years, you know, I think that Working professionals, depending on how quickly they churn through their shutters, may need to replace their camera sooner than that. But if you're an average, uh, you know, Joe? keen amateur, an average Joe, if you're a keen amateur photographer that takes an average number of shots a year, or even if you're semi-professional but you don't shoot hundreds of thousands of shots in a year, I think your cameras could last you uh, up to five years. And if you're a trader, Joe, then you would expect to replace your camera every three or four years because your shots count will be quite large. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know sports and wildlife photographers who have to change their cameras out every year because the shutter count hits the maximum and then they don't want to take that camera and rely on it for a job. It becomes the backup or the backup of the backup. So what you're saying is the cameras are actually really good nowadays. That's so exactly we don't need to upgrade our cameras every year. No, unless you're specifically looking for something. I mean, like you've said so often, a lot of the updates are quality of life improvements. Image quality wise, we're not seeing huge improvements or changes now. Obviously, I think that's going to change with the Z9 and the Z8. I agree. That appears. But generally speaking, for DX users, the sensors are pretty much the same across the boards. For FX users, you've got your 24 megapixels or your 45 you kind of pick and choose and then you choose your body based on that and you run with it. Absolutely. And you mentioned cameras produced from 2014 and onwards. And if we looked at the technology, it didn't really expand that much. It's uh, in terms of this 24 megapixels has been kind of a gold standard for so many years nowadays. Mm. And only reason why it, a lot of cameras are now pushing higher resolutions is because of 8K introduction. Yes, exactly. If you look at cameras produced in 2014, we had the D810 and the D750. Mm -hmm. 2016, we had the D5 and the D500. Obviously, we had the D850 in the latter part of, was it 2017? I think so, yeah. Mid-2017, something like that. They, they took so long to come into stock, I actually forgot when they were announced. <laughs> um, and then we had the 6 and 7, the Z system, 
in 2018, end of 2018. Time flies, isn't it? It really does. So all of those bodies are still what I consider current cameras that could be used for many years to come. Absolutely. Well, here we go. So if you haven't bought your camera yet, then maybe you don't need to buy one. However, give us a call if, if you would like one. I was going to say, but if you want to, <laughs> the Takina SZX 400 f8 reflex lens is now compatible with Nikon Z mounts as well. Oh, wow. So the Takina lens was announced last year, but they've now created mm -hmm. an adapter mount. So the T-mount, the lens comes with a T-mount that can be attached to different camera mounts with adapters. Uh, so while the while the lens is available to purchase already at $249, the new mount adapter for the Z mirrorless cameras will be available for purchase separately soon. I think this is huge because if you look at it, okay, it's not a native lens for Z mirrorless system, mm. but it's the first step of a major lens manufacturer committing to manufacturing lenses for Z system. So I think we'll start to see more um, from them or native lenses specifically designed for Z series cameras. Exactly. And it's a nice way to kind of step into the Z compatibility without fully committing by producing en masse a whole bunch of lenses for that mount. I think the adapter situation is quite clever. Yes, and the low price entry is pretty good, $249 plus adapter. I'm sure they will release some sort of a package as well, mm. hopefully under $300. Again, it's a good way to try lenses out you know, before committing and buying an expensive 400mm Nikon lens. Exactly. Fusion TLC announced a universal lighting and camera controller called Raven for Nikon cameras. This new product is created by the founder of Pocket Wizard and is compatible with most Nikon cameras and lighting control compatible with, what did you write there? And lighting control with most Nikon cameras and Godox, Profoto, the Einstein from Paul Buff and Pocket Wizard products with yes. more brands to be added soon. I like that copy-paste worked really well, one-to-one -one without any corrections. <laughs> um, the important thing there, it's got all this colorful screen and all the GPS functionality and all this, but mm. the important thing is it actually allows you to mix different lights from different brands. So imagine you've got Nikon Flash and then a Godox light and then some sort of Elinchrom or Bron color or something like this. So then you can pair them together mm -hmm. and make them talk to each other. Excellent. Well, the Nikon version is available for $449 from the Fusion TLC website and it has a touch screen. So therefore, you know, it's really good. Shut up and take my money. Absolutely. <laughs> $449 for Trigger. Yeah. But if you compare it, right, to the Nikon Trigger, Okay, so the WR11B, sorry, I, I stand corrected, the WRR11B, which is for the Z system, mm -hmm. which requires the WRT10, mm -hmm. is nearly 200 pounds. 209. 209, there we mm -hmm. go. So, but that will only work with the SB5000. Yes, and that's the main problem of this wireless remote trigger. Mm. For Releasing something like this, and obviously coming from founder of Pocket Wizard, which is Pocket Wizard, quite well-known brand nowadays, yes. um, and working with all sorts of accessories, not just tied up to Nikon system, mm. it's quite good. Absolutely. But comparing to a cheap Chinese trigger, which you can buy on eBay for forty pounds, mm -hmm. um, if you don't need all the bells and whistles and you just want to trigger your studio lights, you could do well with those. Okay, well, there's some options for you. Okay, what's up next? Photopia seems to become a new Fotokina. Photopia in Hamburg. 
Yeah, it sounds like utopia. It does a bit. Uh, last year, Fotokina got suspended until further notice, and it seems like that uh, we now already have a replacement. Meet Photopia, Hamburg, or Festival of Images, a brand new photography show that is supposed to take place in Germany from September 23rd to 26, 2021. Isn't it too soon? What do you think? It depends on how they're dealing with everything over there, I suppose. We're, do you think it's going to be a physical show? Well, they can always make it virtual, isn't it? Yeah, as they did with... What, whatever we had the other day. What did we have? The photography show. Yes. <laughs> I can remember. That was back in March. Yeah, exactly. So they could always transition it over to a virtual show if things don't look like they're quite ready. You know that they had their first football match with a live audience last night, though. I think it was Where? in Tottenham. In UK? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it was 8,000. What, the Carabao Cup? 8,000. Was... Yeah, it was 8,000 people instead of 21,000. Oh, I missed all that. I heard it on the radio this morning. You see, I don't watch the games of football clubs. Mm. That supported Super League. Never forget. <laughs> just not over it. Not no, over it I just I had things to do. Obviously, financial statements and all this. But um, that's really interesting. I'm looking forward for next year, uh, where we might actually be able to go to. I Absolutely. won't be going to any football games, but you might. Absolutely, back to the stadium. Okay, so we're not sure how many companies have actually signed up for the show of Photopia Hamburg yet, but the 2021 Tipper Awards are set to be announced at Photopia. Rumor Tipa is the thing that says Z6 can only take 300 shots at one battery. Yeah, which is not true. So, mm, not sure go. if I'm that excited about that. Absolutely. All right. For our read, watch, and listen segment. Now, we got cut off last week, so we've got a deluxe edition for you. Ooh. So, first up, we have the Nikkor the Thousand and One Nights number 74. Nikon actually do sort of story blogs on their website. Yeah, Nikon is a famous blogger. Yes, they have a famous blogger <laughs> who does these blogs. What do you believe in? Design cameras, yeah. write blogs? Mm -hmm. So they tell a story of how a particular product came about, the uh, design and sort of process of its process. Of this, of the its... thinking process of designing lenses. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> It's fried my brain, honestly. The Thousand One Night 74 talks about the evolution of the micro lens and specifically the AF macro 60mm f2.8. Do go and have a look at that. There's a lot of articles on there, well yeah. worth reading. I think it's 77 blog entries. Someone's been busy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The next one up uh, that was recommended by our subscriber is called Finding the Vivian Maya documentary. If you're Amazon Prime subscriber in UK, um, then you will have it for free, but you can also, um, I think, rent it on mm -hmm. places like YouTube and other places and like other Sky streaming. and Netflix. That's right. Um, in case you don't know, back in 2007, a 26-year-old real estate agent named John Malouf bought a box of 30,000 negatives from a state sale for $400 and then later increased his collection to 100,000 images. Turns out it was a lifetime work of then-unknown street photographer named Vivian Meyer whose eye for composition and brilliant shots captured the world's attention. Yes, she was unknown to her family and the people that she worked for at the time because she was a nanny in New York. An unknown photographer, nobody knew that she was taking photos during her day. And uh, I believe she converted her bathroom in her small room yeah. into a dark room, but the door was always locked. So nobody had any idea. It was only posthumously that we found out that she was actually a phenomenal street photographer. Even her family didn't know about that. No, nobody. How do you hide a dark room from your family? Well, she was kind of a live-in nanny. So she had her room, which 
was very much her own domain. Mm -hmm. Nobody would go up there. So she'd hide her dark room in her bathroom. It's like an ensuite. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. It um, was very, very interesting. For your listening pleasure, we recommend you a David Yarrow podcast, which is called In Focus. The episode five, which I personally recommend, is called Amboseli National Park. Now, in his podcast, David Yarrow doesn't talk about shutter speed and upshift setting and how he took this image at what, let's say, raw JPEG mode or whatever. Um, what he talks about is the stories, how he got there, how they prepared for the shoot, and how to actually be in this place. David Yarrow actually did our Christmas event three years ago. I remember like it was yesterday. Grey's Westminster's and uh, Nikon owners, yeah, event, uh, which was phenomenal. He's a well-known fine art photographer. He actually says he's not a wildlife photographer because not only does he shoot those phenomenal wildlife shots, but he also does kind of lifestyle. And I would say, what else would you describe his photography at? Help me, please. Art, portraiture, <laughs> yeah. fashion, yes. wildlife. All of the above. Not a wildlife but photographer. He's not, he's not a wildlife photographer. Yeah, just like not a financial advice. That's right. Um, anyway, so some fantastic podcasts on there. And also do check out his website. I believe that he is still displaying in the Maddox Gallery. Um, certainly the one in New York, possibly the one in London as well. We went to that. And lastly, for your weekend read and watch, we have a, an article which also contains videos about learning photography by playing video games. Now, this may seem a little uh, left field, let's say, but it's actually true. You know, Pokemon Snap's coming out in a couple of months. Obviously. Yes, Pokemon Snap is, uh, well, <laughs> it's a game, but it's going to allow you to take photos of pictures of Pokemon in the wild. Tell me more. Yeah, and, you, and then you can share them on the equivalent of Pokemon's Instagram. It's going to be great. Just look at this excited face. So it's excited. me talking about finances. That's right. But also, I mean, the photography features in games like, I can only tell you games that I played, but like Death Stranding and Horizon Zero Dawn, where you can learn sort of landscape photography. My husband said the other day that he took two hours once to get the perfect shot in to Death Stranding. To get the perfect shot. This is the important bit here, isn't it? And I said, you're learning a discipline. It's not just about the settings, but you're learning an entire discipline by taking pictures in game. So What are you doing, husband? I'm waiting for the golden hour. That's right, exactly. Fantastic. Well, I think it's very important with the graphical processes getting better and better by the day and graphics becomes almost ultra-realistic. Mm. A lot of video games implement those photo modes in their games. Even, let's say, famous car games like Forza, um, Forza Horizon um, can allow you to take a picture which almost looks like real. Yes. A lot of car photography is actually not a real thing because they can't put the car inside that beautiful canyon because mm. obviously simply there's no space. So what they do is they would 3D model the car and they would take a picture of that surrounding cave or whatever um, to take the shot. Now, a lot of those photo modes allow you to set up your ISO, your shot speed, your aperture settings, and also apply filters like black and white. I like how I call black and white a filter. Yes. But <laughs> the most important thing there is, I think if it gets photography into more hands, the more the merrier, because if young kids play video games, I mean, we all grew up on video games uh, to the, at this point. Um, if young kids start to play video games, like the photography, and then potentially start with their phone and buy a camera in the future, mm. I think it's a fantastic way because we all learn differently. Maybe some people are not very good of reading technical material and knowing what aperture and shutter speed does, but no. they're more visual. So they can move the sliders like Lightroom nowadays, you know, then they can achieve a good result. And the more it gets people into photography, I think the better. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Thank you very much for watching and or listening. If you would like to give us a thumbs up and a subscribe on YouTube, we'd very much appreciate it. And also a follow and how about a review on a podcast platform that allows us to not only reach more people, reach you, uh, but it also means that we can see that you appreciate what you're, we're doing, what you're doing, yeah, what we're doing, what we're doing. What we're doing. And then we can do more of this stuff because the more you watch and the more you listen and the more you like, the more we do this. We will become big. We will, eventually, one day. One day. And in the meantime, where can we find you, Constantine? Well, you can find me at www.constantinekochkin.co.uk and it's at constantinekochkin on MySpace. Just two W's on that one. Uh, and on me, you can find me at rebeccadenezi.com or on Instagram at rebecca underscore... Underscore? Rebecca underscore Denezi for all my photography. So there you go. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.